The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Like Abe said, uh, my name is Adam. If I haven't met you yet, it's an honor to meet you today. Um, I'm especially just grateful to be here. Um, I'm reflecting over the past few years as we do at the end of the year, and it's just amazing to see that uh, when I first started coming to Acts, we weren't even a full church plan yet. It was before we had officially launched, and uh, I remember thinking that this would be my dream to be a church planner in the Acts Network, and um, I'm humbled to say that that's what I'm here to do is I'm a full-time church planter in residence with Axe Church Leander, and I'm going to be planting Axe Church Antioch in this next year. Um, and so I would love to meet you if I haven't already. Um, and so for the last four weeks, we've been looking at love. We've been in a series called For the Love. Um, and some of you may, may think uh, there's four loves, and this is the fifth week. But today we're talking about how the four loves have affected us. So we've looked at these different kind of loves, and, and we're seeing how when we receive this love, how it changes us holistically. Um, and so this is how we're going to finish off the series and in turn finish off the whole year. I think that we as people, especially as uh, Americans in, in 2015, go through great lengths to try to make ourselves anew. We, we try to do whatever it takes to um, seek new life and, and to feel like we are a different person and to go and, and do different things. And uh, around this time of year, we call them New Year's resolutions. Now, I've had many resolutions in my life, whether it's uh, uh, to work out more, to eat better, to do better in school, watch less TV. Um, and I think we all have seen, especially in the gym trend, there's always that crowd that comes in in January. And then by February, there's back to a few people who are going in, the people who are actually dedicated to their health. <laughs> but for me, uh, this year's resolution is going back to eating healthier. And, and me and my girlfriend, Sarah, we are uh, doing this thing called the Whole30 Diet. Raise your hand if you ever heard of Whole30 or have done it yourself. Um, now, to, to catch you guys up, Whole30 um, is all about eating the kind of foods that are, are natural to our body, eating the kinds of things that we're our bodies are supposed to process. So for me, uh, I usually eat a lot of SpaghettiOs, uh, pasteroni, which is kind of like a, a fancy ramen, which uh, kind of is designed to make you feel better about yourself. Um, a lot of uh, takeout food, all those kind of things that uh, young college students eat. But I'm trying to, to get away from that. And Whole30 is kind of a kickstart into that because Whole30 is all about no grains, no dairy, no processed food, basically no fun for me at all. <laughs> but the purpose of Whole30 isn't specifically to lose weight. It isn't specifically to get you to exercise more. It's all about that returning to the original diet, returning to things that our bodies are supposed to be able to digest and process well. And, and the benefits from this are to make you feel a lot better, and they have a lot of different effects. Um, but in a way, it's, it's making you new. Now, this newness isn't something that is, is added to us, but it's a newness that is returning us to an original state. And that's the kind of newness, that's the kind of renewal that we get when we uh, experience God's love. It's not about adding new things. It's not about uh, taking on a new identity. It's about returning to an original identity, returning to the way that God has created us. And so today we're going to explore what happens when we receive the love of God has offered to us. And, and when we do that, we are experiencing the love of God as a holistic loss of brokenness and a holistic gain of righteousness through Jesus. 
And so a holistic loss of brokenness and a holistic gain of righteousness. And uh, I mentioned that, that receiving of love. And we've spent four weeks just talking about the different kinds of love, specifically the four Greek words for love. And I think we could spend every day for the next 10 years talking about God's love and still not even get a percentage of what God's love is for us. Um, and so for today, just to, to learn a practical lesson about God's love, we're going to um, just act as if we have already received that love fully. And so some of us have experienced that, some of us haven't, but for today we're going to uh, assume that we've received God's love. So first off, we're going to talk about that experience of receiving God's love. When we look at verses 1 through 4 of, of Colossians, um, it just starts off by saying that we are, if, you, if then you have been raised with Christ, th- seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is who your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. When we experience God's love, everything that we do, everything that we are, becomes different, becomes something that we don't recognize. Um, there's a story by a guy named Plato, not the, the Joe, but the philosopher Plato, um, and it's called the Allegory of the Cave. Allegory is kind of like a parable or a story used for teaching, and in the Allegory of the Cave, I'll give you the Spark Notes version, there are three men who are, are chained to this wall in a cave, and their entire life has been spent looking at these projections, looking at these shadows against the wall. And everything that they know and everything that they believe to be true and real are these shadows. They don't even spend a lot of time looking to the people next to them. They just are focused and entranced on these shadows. And one day, one of these men uh, break free, and they go outside the cave, and they see the sun, and they see everything that the sun touches, and they realize the warmth that the sun can provide, and they feel the grass beneath their feet, and they realize that everything that, they, that he has known up to this point is, is false. Everything that he thought was true isn't true. And so he returns to this cave. And when he returns to this cave, he has a hard, uh, hard time seeing and a hard time understanding what's around him. Just like when you go from outside into a dark room, you have time to adjust. And he goes to these uh, people that he was chained up with, and, and he tries to explain to him the world that is outside. And to him, all he sees, he, he finally is able to recognize the fire and the shadows being projected. And he tries to explain that outside that these shadows, these things that they think are real, are, are so much more and so much better on the outside world. But these, these men who are in the cave don't want to leave. They don't believe him. And they, they end up staying. And this man ends up staying there with him because he has no way of convincing them what is real because all they know are these shadows, are these false things. And so when we experience God's love, when we receive that love on, on ourselves, we, we kind of have this experience of being outside of the cave. And sometimes it's, it's bright and sometimes it's confusing. And all of a sudden the things around us become a lot clearer. And then we go back to our friends and we, we say, these are all the things that we can, we can see through, through Jesus. These are all the things that we know that are true about ourselves. And we're kind of caught in this, this tension we kind of start asking ourselves, so wait, my value doesn't depend on my job performance, or uh, I'm loved despite the things I've done in the past, or uh, the people around me matter in a godly perspective. 
These are things that aren't really customary. These are not things that we're used to staring at against a wall. And so when we try to explain these things to others, they don't always catch on. A lot of times in in our culture, being a Christian seems more like a political or a social statement rather than a way of life, rather than our identity. But just like the allegory of the cave, when we experience something so strong and so real, it changes us. When we receive that love of God, it changes us from the inside out. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this about experiencing Christianity. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, because by it I see everything else. This love that we've received allows us not only to understand our own life, but allows us to see the life around us, allows us to see everything else. And, and when we encounter other people, they see a, a difference. Verse 3 says that we are hidden in Christ. And now this isn't saying that who we were is now gone. It's not saying that, that our personalities are, are no, no more, but rather it's saying that we are so drenched in the love of Jesus that our entire being screams of our Savior, screams of something bigger than ourselves. And so when we are hidden in God, our identity is inseparable. And so after we experience God's love, after we receive it, we realize that life around us is diseased and is broken. And this brokenness needs to be, uh, in what Paul says, put to death. So this brokenness needs to be put to death. And so assuming that we receive this love of Christ and and we've been changed by it, we see this brokenness and uh, we all have this moment in which we see this brokenness in ourselves. I think we all can can see a time in which we realize that who we have been isn't who we should be. I remember that one of my first experiences in Texas, when I first moved down to the Austin area, I um, started a new job, and I recognized that I was starting to be in conflict with one of my coworkers, and we were kind of competitive in a way, and, and we were getting at each other's necks, and my natural tendency at that point was to kind of separate myself from them, gang up with my friends, and kind of point out all their flaws and make myself look like the hero. That was kind of my tendency. It was a, it was a brokenness that I had. And uh, my tendency was to go to my friends and see, they did this to me. Look at how bad they are. And try to gang up on them and and try to push them out. Um, But at this time, I I kind of recognized that that was a brokenness because I had experienced that that love. I've received that love of God. And I kind of recognized that the community that I have been in was not the community that I wanted to be in. And so I had this chance at a, a new community. And so I took the time. And I I kind of swallowed my pride, and I remember I don't think I've ever been as nervous at that moment in my entire life. And I went up and I said, hey, I I know that I've said these things about you, and and I want to do this thing. I want to go behind your back, but I don't want our friendship, I don't want our relationship to be broken. I don't want to enter into this community with a bad relationship. And we talked it out, and things were okay. Uh, But the funny thing is, is, is doing these things didn't really solve everything. And so I was kind of confused because I was like, I'm doing the things that I'm called to do. I'm, I'm living the way that it says to you and the way, that the, word, the way that God's word tells me to, but I'm not really feeling this, this change. Let's look at verses 5 through 8 in uh, Colossians again. 
Put to death, therefore, what, earthly, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked, you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. You see, in this situation, I wasn't really putting to death my false self. Because putting sin to death means that it does not keep us captive anymore. It means that we are delivered from this sin. We're delivered from this brokenness. The same kind of deliverance that the Israelites experience when they're escaping from Egypt and there are these Egyptian soldiers following them and they're were, they were swallowed up by the sea and all of a sudden the, the things that were persecuting them were no more. There was nobody else following them and we're offered that same deliverance. When we experience forgiveness, when we experience the, the love of God, when we receive that, our sin is no more. But our life isn't, isn't clean like that. We don't always have that clean break. So why is this forgiveness, why is God's righteousness so hard for us to accept? Why do we carry the burdens of our past sins around with us to the next day? Even though we know we, we can have the head knowledge of forgiveness, but we don't really accept that. Uh, there's a pastor named Judah Smith who's up in, in Seattle, um, and he says this about sin. He said, what's difficult is because sin is so real to me. I was a prolific sinner and still struggle with it today. Do I believe that I'm righteous? Or though I'm righteous, do I still go back and believe, no, I still see sin, so I'm a sinner. That's who I am. I will always be defined that way. What it, com what it comes down to, to be frank, is that we still have more faith in sin than we do in our Savior. God is not intimidated by sin. He is in control. And the blood of his son has canceled and conquered the power of sin forever for all who simply believe. What Judah is saying here is that it's easy for us to see brokenness. It's easy for us to point out flaws in our life. It's easy for us to remember yesterday when we did something wrong rather than to accept this grace of a Savior, something that is so intangible, something that is so unlikely. But we know this. We know that we have experienced God's love. We have received God's love and that in that, he doesn't leave us in our brokenness. It's not about pointing out our brokenness and going away, but in this brokenness, we gain the characteristics of Jesus' righteousness. We just celebrated a season of being rescued from our brokenness. We have a perfect example of not being left alone in our brokenness. We have this perfect example of a Savior who comes in and, and fills in our brokenness and, and eliminates it. When we look at, uh, back at Colossians, Paul says in uh, verse 12 and 13, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. These are a lot of commands that, that Paul's will say out here. 
And it's often our tendency to think that these are the things we have to do to receive righteousness. A lot of times we think that we need to uh, be sure to be meek and be sure to be humble or else we won't be able to gain the righteousness of God. But obedience to these kind of commands is a response to God's favor. It's not a means of getting it. And so we've received this sacrifice, we've received this love of God. And because of that, we, we experience this new self, and we are able to experience this transformation and go out, and, and these things just come naturally. The fruits of the Spirit and these, these kind of different characteristics of, of receiving God's love are things that come naturally because of our relationship with Jesus. This new self that we are promised, this new self that Paul describes to us is not a new self that we construct. I think we think that we need to, to make ourselves up into this, this new suit of armor and put it on, but it's something that we've been given. It's something that we receive. And our new self is, is constantly being broken down and reconstructed daily, reconstructed as we grow t- towards Christ. And so we are not made complete because we are not complete in Christ, but we are complete with him and in him, and we are hidden in him. In Isaiah uh, 61.10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. This idea of a robe of righteousness is is so beautiful because, again, it's something that we are given. It's something that we can put on. And we are promised this robe, we are promised this righteousness, so that when we stand before God, he doesn't see this brokenness, he doesn't see the things that separate us from him, but he sees Jesus, he sees the righteousness, he sees the blood of the sacrifice. He sees that love that we have received. We oftentimes in the Bible get this image of, of Christ as the groom and the church as the bride. And they come together as one, and, and oftentimes uh, there's an entire book about how the bride, about how the church is, is away from the husband and, and is unfaithful and, and does not return to him, but yet the groom, Jesus, still seeks after us, and we are still united with him, and we are still covered by that righteousness. Because when we are putting on this love, when we receive this love, we are remade into the image of God and hidden in the grace of Jesus. And again, this isn't, this isn't us trying to go out and do these great things. We are receiving this love. We're receiving this grace. We are receiving this righteousness from Jesus. Let's look at uh, verse 14. <clears throat> Above all things... Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Skip to verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Now, what does it mean to put on love? Imagine with me that, that our love, the love that we can produce, everything that we can possibly imagine as our love in our lifetime is one drop of water. Is a single drop. If that were true, then God's love is the ocean. And just imagine the expanse that that one drop in the drop of the ocean is just unrecognizable. And the, the love that God has for us is so great and moves so greatly when we are apart from him and rejoices so fully when we are with him. And this love, of, this love the size of the ocean gave his son for something that he loves with his whole heart, with the whole existence. Now, with this, imagine sin. And imagine that we have uh, a very finite, a very defined number of sin that we experience in our life. There's a finite number of sins that we can commit, and there's going to be a finite number of people in existence. So sin, arguably, is a, is a finite, defines number. There will be a, a day in which there is a, a collection of sin that will be no more. But God is infinite. He is before the beginning, and he is going to be after the end. He is before and after creation. And so this this finite number of sin, this thing that is tangible, this thing that is a point on the map, when compared to an infinite scope, when compared to an, an infinite God, is nothing. And so when we say that our sin is swallowed up by God, when we are say we are hidden in God, it's that idea that no matter how great sin is in this world, no matter how great sin, in, sin is in our own heart, it is completely unrecognizable in the scope of God. And we are completely consumed by that love. And so when we receive this love, when we receive this sacrifice, we are completely consumed. And we know that uh, a few days ago we celebrated the birth of our Savior. And we know now, because we can look back on it, and we, we know the full story, and we know that this baby was born to die. This baby was born to be a sacrifice, and, and today we can look forward and we can see that his life changed everything. Because this baby's purpose was to, to dress us in this robe and to bring our new self. And so as we receive this love, as we go into the new year, understand that you are consumed in love and you are, are just putting on this robe of love that was given to us by our Savior. Would you guys pray with me? Dear God, we, we thank you for this time together. We just thank you for your great love. God, we can never come close to understanding the, the sum of your love. We can never come close to understanding the expanse of this love. But God, you sacrificed everything. You sacrificed your son for us that we may experience life with you. God, today may we open our hearts and open our minds that we may receive even a couple of drops of your love that we may overflow onto others. 
God, when we go back to our lives, when we return to our caves, help us to be a light unto others and to bring others into the light of your love. Lead us today as you do every day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.